It's show 125 of the RIM Pro Report. This week, Richard Steed of Pacific Records Management and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. What impresses me about them is their dedication to supplying a great software product to the industry, as well as the training and service to support it. Fact is, O'Neill could just rest on their laurels, but no, they keep pushing the envelope and working to create great products, not just for today, but for the future. I'm pretty excited to see where they go next, and if you are, you can check them out yourself at O'Neillsoft.com. The barometer says the pressure is rising. That, to me, must mean it's showtime. So, what do you say we do it? Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me. How are you? Welcome to the show this week. So what the heck is up with the weather? The extremes seem to be getting even more intense. No matter where you are, stay safe out there. Whether it be in freezing cold, icy conditions, snow, flooding, intense heat... Uh, whatever it is, look after yourself out there. And, you know, officially, it means the end of January is already here. And this weekend, Super Bowl means February is well upon us. So it's shaping up to be a, a great game, it looks like. And even if it's a dud, be grateful during that brief few hours on Sunday afternoon, you're not having to negotiate a business associate agreement with a lawyer trying to get you to assume all liability. You can get back to that on Monday morning. Hey, Richard Steed is on the show today. If you've been in the Rim family for any period of time, you'll have no doubt met Richard. Richard is the vice president of Pacific Records Management based in California's Central Valley. Richard has been in the business a long time, and uh, he's also been on the board of PRISM, including serving as president of the association. So I'm looking forward to chatting with him shortly. But before we do, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. Jim Barron, formerly of Shredrite in Minneapolis, St. Paul, is heading to Florida to join Gilmore Services as their director of sales and marketing. Jim had been with Shredrite for 17 years and is well known in the shredding industry. He served on the NAID board of directors and in 2010 actually served as the board's president. So a big congratulations to Jim on his new gig at Gilmore. Cornerstone Records Management received their AAA NAID certification for paper, media, and hard drive destruction. With the size of their footprint, this is a sizable achievement. Hey, great news for shredders. Looks like demand for sorted office paper is up and so are the prices. It appears like the trends from 2012 will repeat in 2013 with strong prices in the first half of the year but dropping as the year progresses. Andy Cavell, executive vice president of Archive Systems, is a former guest on the show and leads a company that is doing some pretty cool things out there. A couple of days ago, he let me know about a webinar he will be delivering next Wednesday, February the 6th. He's calling it Reading the Tea Leaves, a look into the future of the offsite records management industry. This webinar is only for industry people, not for end users of record centers or RIM companies. So if you're interested in what Andy has to say, check it out by visiting archivesystems.com slash tea leaves. That's archivesystems.com slash tea leaves. T-E-A-L-E-A-V-E-S, one word. The link is also on the RIMPRO Report show website. 
2013 PRISM Asia Pacific Region Conference is going to be held in Brisbane, Australia, February 26 to 28. Uh, earlier this week, it looked like Brisbane might be underwater again, but good news coming out of the O'Neill office that it looks like that uh, isn't going to happen. So looks like Brisbane will be in decent shape. At least we hope it will be for the February conference. Speaking of Prism, looks like best-selling author and sales icon Harvey McKay has agreed to be on the, be the opening keynote speaker at the 2013 annual conference. Mr. McKay is the author of Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive and Beware of the Naked Man Who Offers You His Shirt, both books among the top 15 inspirational business books of all time. Uh, I've seen Harvey McKay speak, and he's a brilliant. He's a great speaker, so that's great news for the Prism Conference to be held May 13th to 16th in Bonita Springs, Florida. Make sure you mark your calendars. Well, that's all for now. If you have news from your neck of the woods, let me know. Send it to me by email. Give me a shout on the phone. Send it by carrier pigeon. However you can get it to me, let me know. I'd love to pass it on. Well, hang tight while I get Richard Steed on the line. <laughs> Richard Steed is the Vice President of Pacific Records Management, a longtime industry leader and record center practitioner. I'm glad to have him on the program today. Richard, are you there? I am, Tom. Hey, welcome to the RIM Pro Report. It's so good to have you on the show. You're welcome. It's nice to be with you. So let's start with uh, where you work, Pacific Records Management. Tell me a little bit, uh, give me an overview of the company and you know what it's all about and kind of services you have, locations, etc. Sure. I think our story is somewhat unique in the sense that we literally date our history back to 1856. Wow. It was founded by two gentlemen of the Wagner family, Jacob and Charles Wagner, who migrated to Stockton from Germany and during about the height of the gold rush. At the time, they founded a tannery company and hence became Pacific Tannery. And this operation continued literally until about 1928, when the kind of operation subsided. So they had to determine, you know, a new use for the buildings and went into the storage of commodities. Hence the name from Pacific Tannery to Pacific Storage Company. Back in 1928. 1928, yeah, became a storage company from since 1856. The original site is still in the block in Stockton, where our corporate offices are, so our corporate offices are in Stockton. And then in 1932, believe it or not, we entered the moving business and added a moving and storage operation. Hmm. Currently, um, the business is still family-owned. The Wagner family still is a majority of the shareholders. But we have since sold off all but two of the moving businesses. Um, we have a moving operation in San Jose, California, and a moving operation in Sacramento. But th- that's really all the moving side. It was in 1965, I had to look up some notes, but 1965 that record storage was first introduced. It's under the leadership and direction of um, Bob Foy, who was the president at the time when I was brought on the company. That was um, quite a few years ago, and it was a kind of a natural byproduct of the moving in storage business. Right. So after all that, currently today we have four offices. Our focus has really been the Central Valley of California. We call it the I-5 or the 99 corridor. 
Uh, we have good friends that kind of cover the Bay Area and Southern California, but our focus has primarily been the Central Valley. And today we have an office in Sacramento at the north, Stockton, Modesto, and Fresno, California. Okay. So four four unique record center operations happening. Four centers, correct. Okay. Okay. And those are all predominantly record storage facilities, or are they full-service facilities? Well, we, we have a data vault in our Sacramento location. Okay. And, and we have a plant-based shredding operation in Sacramento. All the other facilities are, are primarily just document storage. We also have an imaging service bureau in one of our facilities, and we have a um, we have three mobile trucks that okay. service the, the valley as well. So you're doing all aspects of tra- traditional records, uh, records and information management. All the different facets are somehow involved in what you guys are doing at Pacific Records. We hope to, and we believe we are, yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we manage about 1.4 million cubic feet, I think, collectively, and probably a little over 250,000 square feet of warehouse between wow. the, the four locations. Wow. And I can only assume that means you've got a sizable staff as well to support all that. I think we estimate about between 55 to 60, depending upon the time, um, employees, yeah. Wow. Wow. Very nice. So you mentioned earlier you came on board back, well, 1965 is when the Records Center started, but you came on board uh, under the leadership of Bob Foy. So tell me about how you got involved in the company. What what was your genesis, and how did you arrive at Pacific Records Management? Sure. Uh, it was about 1985, so I've been here a long time. About 1985, <laughs> wow. my father-in-law was managing the local moving storage operation in Sacramento. And as as it would, I would drop in on him occasionally, say hi, we would go to lunch. At the time, he had just lost his corporate sales director. And he had um, passed on my name, or in passing, had mentioned to Bob Foy that, you know, this is the guy that I would like to hire. My father-in-law had wanted me to come work for him. And, and I remember my comment at the time was, uh, there was no way I wanted anything to do with sales. Hmm. That later haunted me a little bit. <laughs> At the time, I was finishing some undergrad work, and I was beginning some graduate work, studying mostly finance and business. And as I went home, I thought, you know, the one piece that I was missing was marketing. I, I intended at the time to kind of work for corporate America. That was always kind of my goal, mm-hmm. um, a big, large corporation. So as I thought about it, I said, you know what, maybe a few years of sales and marketing would probably go with my education, a little bit of experience. So I kind of later had to come back to to put my tail between my legs and almost with strong influence say, you know, I am interested, kind of talk my way into it with Bob convincing that this is what I wanted. And I originally had planned on three to four years. I felt that was about what the experience that I needed. Um, to kind of round that on, and then I would move on to other things. Well, 27 years later, here wow. I am, and join every minute of it. Wow. I really am. Wow, that's so cool. Because uh, as I look around the industry, you're someone who, in the role of an employee, has been around for a long time. I mean, and I mentioned this earlier, but you've held president positions on the prison board of directors. You've been involved in the board. I mean, you've you've been a substantial part of this company for almost 30 years. 
and yet done that in in a way that many people associate Pacific Records Management with you, not even with you know the ownership in many in many cases. I I appreciate that, Tom. Yes, I have been here for for better for worse. At least I'm, I hope I've contributed, but um, I've been here a long time, and and it's been a great company to work for and with. I enjoy the people that I work with. Greg Tudor is our president, CEO. I think we have a, a, a wonderful staff of people, so it, it's been a good ride so far. Yeah. So 27 years ago, you show up at Pacific, your tail's between your, your legs because you're going, oh, I, I, I really wanted to go to corporate America, uh, and yet I need this sales and marketing experience. Tell me a little bit about how you got started at Pacific and what were you doing and what was the state of the record center at that point in time? Well, early on, our company, like uh, uh, a lot of moving and storage companies at the time, were decentralized, meaning each manager was responsible for uh, their own operation. So we had full-service moving storage company. We did, you know, office and industrial moving and record storage, you know, to some degree mm-hmm. or, or another. Each manager was was responsible and kind of directed the, the flow. I was originally brought in as a salesperson. Several years after I was part of the sales side, my father-in-law passed away, and there was a, a need to you know, take on the management role. It, one that I thought about, I kind of hesitant once again to kind of take on um, that direction, but after consideration, then I became the manager uh, over the entire moving operation. Hmm. That continued for a few years, but about uh, 15 years ago, or so, uh, Greg Tudor, who many know, became our president CEO. And I remember early on one of his focus when we discussed and talked about was to kind of change the direction instead of making it you know decentralized, make it more product oriented. It was about ten years ago that we essentially separated the company away from a p and l from from a balance sheet, the whole concept of it to uh, two different companies. Um, records division, which I then became the VP in a moving and storage operation. Okay. So up until 10 years ago, when you separated out as a separate P&L and a separate entity, were you an active, was it a full service record center? When did that sort of begin? When did you become, you go from storage of boxes in the back shelf of your warehouse related to the moving company to actually seeing it as a service offering that had sort of professional status associated with it? Well, I think originally, going back to the introduction, you know, almost 48 years ago, that record storage was always part of our business. Um, yeah. You know, probably more so in the Stockton where our longevity in our corporate office were. I remember when we had our first uh, 250,000 box growth point, uh, we made T-shirts and passed them out to all of our employees. I periodically come by and see that in, in my drawer and just kind of look at that, realizing and what a milestone that was yeah. at 250,000 at the time. But, you know, one of the things that I think, unfortunately, as you focus on moving and storage, sometimes is you don't focus on records. And I think that was one of the impetus to make that change. But, you know, we always would sell records. That was always a component okay. of ours. And, and, and I knew early on at the time when I first sold, some may or may not remember a name, Bell & Howe. That was one of the early right. companies in right. the industry, Bell yeah. & Howe, which would later sell to Iron Mountain. Yeah. But there was one individual, his name was Paul. He and I kind of competed in Sacramento for, for business. 
my focus primarily was just in the Sacramento market. I really didn't have anything to do with any of the locations. So my focus was strictly in Sacramento and, you know, the business development side until I became the manager. Hmm. So back then, you and the guy from Bell and Howell, were you just out knocking on doors? Is that how you did it? Was it picking up the phone and calling? How did you make this thing grow? That's a good question. There was another entity. Many will know that you know the Beacons, what we call the company-owned stores, there were many of those around in the year, about 100 in the late 1980s, early 90s. Right. They were a player as well in the marketplace, but, but primarily... It was just hitting the streets, um, you know, calling. I think the environment was different there. Um, you know, you could make phone calls. You would see people, you know, met lunch perhaps. I think you would. It was just a kind of a different sales process yeah. th- that, than it is today. But you know, just really a combination of direct sales and telemarketing. Even then, we, we leveraged many of our existing clients through you know good referrals and, and services. And then, you know, like today, we're very active in the local chamber of commerce as an arm of but, but it was a direct sales approach with, right. with some telemarketing. So, you know, you talked about hitting 250,000 boxes. What were some of the obstacles you faced? Because you have you have a long history, but as you grow from, you know, it's, it's a very different company when it's 250,000 to get to, you know, a million and a half. What, what have been some of the obstacles or the difficulties you guys have faced along the way? Good question. Um, I think early on, I think our role was, was as much education. I think in the you know late nineteen eighties, early nineties, education was was a big component. Right. Uh, explaining what our industry was and you know why offsite was perhaps not not the option. I think today, I think our clients and, and our potential clients know, know who and what we do. It's and I think. Today, significantly, the industry is much more vended, but early on, it was as much of an education process than anything. I think also, when you're growing, there's a significant balance act between balancing cash flow, real estate, taking on expense of that associated with it, and and managing growth in, in such a way that you know, cash outlay is is significant, you know, with with growth. Right. I think that's a component of it. And then, I guess if I think about it, admittedly, is is a focus that, you know, once we focused strictly on records management, that became, you know, our core um, value in in the division, which I'm overseeing, and, and that significantly helped as well. Okay. So you hit 250,000 boxes, but 10 years ago when you kind of you restructured the company, you feel like that's where the, the real growth started to happen when that focus became apparent? Directly question, yes. Yeah, okay. So what were some of the big lessons you've learned? Because you come from, as you said, you've been in this 30 years, and you started out knocking on doors and telemarketing and doing lunch with people to try and win business. And you've seen a whole lot of evolution happen, but looking back, uh, there are there are likely principles, there are lessons learned that you continue to rely on to guide the growth of the business. Uh, you talked a little bit about understanding, you know, the economics, the real estate issues, and growth and cash flow. But are there other things that have been a really stable belief system for you about how you grow and build a a full service records company? I would. I think. I think there are a couple of things come to my mind, Tom. I, 
I think first and foremost is you have to have a product that you could sell. And I think that comes with an excellent team that delivers that service. I think the reputation you know, within the community based upon the people that you have is paramount. Hmm. I remember many years ago a potential large law firm did a tour and her concern was, you know, how will I know that what you are suggesting, you know, will, will come to fruition in, in the delivery of the product? And I remember responding to her that, you know, you're well uh, versed in the community to my prospect, and many of your clients, you know, I'm doing business with. So, you know, my reputation to them is as critical as just you know, my reputation to you on this one, uh, um, you know, this one new tip that we were going to get. So it just reinforces that I think you have to have an excellent product with which you can deliver in your community because right. that reputation gets out very well, and, and you just I think that's important. I think that's the first thing. Right. Looking back, I think technology has played a critical role in our growth. Um, you know, many know, and I know they're one of your sponsors, so it's not just a plug, but you know, we were an early adopter of the O'Neill system. Oh, okay. Um, I remember in 19, I think it was like 1988-89, my dates sometimes are, are confused, but I remember getting a little piece of paper and a publication that O'Neill was going to be um, offering this new records storage software program. Hmm. And at the time, there was the Beacons Van Line Convention in San Diego, California. And I can still remember this day, at the Beacons Convention, off to one of the wings, um, Tim and, and his family had, had a kind of a small conference room or a little suite that they were introducing this software company. And, and we were really one of the first and early adopters of the program hmm. and have been very pleased ever since. But that, that has made a tremendous impact is, is the use of technology, particularly in our company where we have four you know, locations, uh, the fourth is fairly new, but mainly we, we manage three off of databases and kind of merge data. And, and so technology has paid a significant part of our, of our growth as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. And that doesn't seem to change either. I mean, that technology becomes more and more important, it seems, the farther oh, we go as we become a much more digital digital kind of environment. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have commented that you know, we have one staff member who, who processes in, in, in our Sacramento location of about 720, 30,000 boxes. We have one employee that processes every work order, even to this day. Wow. And, and that that couldn't happen without the technology. Yeah. yeah. I would also think, and, and I know this is, has always been a struggle, particularly for smaller companies, is the role of, of sales in, in our industry. How many times I've been to a seminar and we talk about compensation for sales or having sales. But, you know, we believe that, that new business is just like a living um, component that you need growth each and every year, and that only comes from a, a, a direct outside sales effort. We currently have a, four outside salespeople. Hmm. Um, we s- supplement that with a strong telemarketing effort, advertising, and, and really continually market you know who and what we are. And that is essential. I, you know how much I believe that stuff. I mean, that, that is critical to keep that name 
keep marketing, keep yourself out there. But obviously, it's been a big part of what what has made a difference in your business. I think it has, and I think we have long adopted that we can't be all things to all people, but we've tried to pick vertical markets wherein we can can dominate and. Our goal is to really be a dominant provider in, in our marketplace. You know, we're not in a large scale, um, you know, marketplace as, as many, perhaps listening and many are. I still like to think that the, the valley is still pretty small. But our goal is to be just a very, very solid and a strong provider. It, it makes it easier to get, you know, business from, from referrals, particularly if you can focus on, on some, you know, vertical markets right. rather than just all across the board. Right. And realistically, I think today you just have to diversify, whereas you may not be all things, but, you know, you do have to offer data protection and, and document imaging to some degree and, and, and scanning. Yeah, yeah. So this business has been around a long time. You've been in a long time, and you've obviously seen a lot of things transpire over the years. How do you see the industry is different today than, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? What, what's different about it today, and, and where are you sort of focusing some attention in terms of the changes that are happening? Well, it's a good question. I, I think one of the thoughts that come to mind I've often thought about, there was a period of many years ago when I was on the board and we had our board meeting, we sat around, it must have been 10, 12 of us, sat around and had a dinner and we all contemplated or just shared where we started, where our origins were and, and what kind of brought us to the to the records information management industry. And literally to a one, they all started from either a moving and storage or a courier business. Right. Um, I, I think that has changed Obviously, with the you know early pioneers like you know Richard Reese, Peter Pierce, many know you know AJ Wasserstein, and companies like First American, and it came more from you know not just the moving and storage process, but truly you know a, a more professional approach. Right. And and I think we see today that you know the industry is is clearly more than just a moving warehouse with some racking and a van. Some of the things I often think about is. You know, more and more companies are doing their own imaging, yeah. um, you know, which depleting our inventory. Even companies like Staples that are offering to shredding the right. Iron Mountain. Yeah. It's just amazing. Data protection, you know, conglomerates that are, you know, Fortune 500 companies offering electronic vaulting. And then there are still companies in our industry that, you know, offering some very high-level, complex document workforce solutions that are just, you know, just tremendous. I mean, you know, have great admiration for, for them. Yeah. So, the bar is raised significantly. Of course, that says nothing about you know the continuing consolidation through aggregators and you know the in, influence that we today on private equity firms. So there's such a focus now on you know the financial component of our industry and you know returns and profit margins. So and I think those things have really had a tremendous influence. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's interesting, too, because as someone who runs a what you would consider a local record center operation, even though you're in multiple locations, it's localized. You have that ability. You said earlier that ability to kind of be who we are and you can only be a certain thing to a certain group of people. But it, it's kind of the connection between being complex in the kind of services we deliver and 
and that diversity and yet at the same time not trying to play the game that the irons and the accesses and those guys are playing because it's a different uh, the only way you can truly succeed if you're going to remain a local independently owned company is to be unique in that regard Absolutely. A couple of thoughts come to mind is, for instance, e-vaulting. It's just, it's not a product that, that we have decided to enter into. There are many that are doing it. You know, we, we may resource that to a partner that, that we have, but for us to significantly invest or market, just haven't seen, seen the value in that. Yeah. So, you know, we'll focus on, you know, still hard copy and document imaging and, and something of that sort, but, you know, mobile shredding of, of media just it doesn't seem to fit our marketplace. But you know, So th- those are some examples where some people are doing it very, very right. well and right. great admiration. But, you know, we, we, we look at our marketplace by saying what can we do well and perfect and try to do the best that we can in that. Yeah, that's great. So... If you're in this, you know, in this marketplace that you said is growing and evolving and and changing and you're having to add diversity and you're having to figure out where you're best, what concerns you about the current state of the industry? Are there are there things that keep you up at night? Are there things that that cause you to wonder about what the future of the business looks like? If so, what what are those? I think the question when you say keep up at night, that, that's a question that Greg and I often re- reflect. And, and I think first and foremost, the, the liability exposures that we see today that, you know, both our clients and regulators through, you know, legislation are trying to pass through onto us is a significant um, component today. That clearly wasn't the case b- before. You know, it requires our people to be trained in, you know, HIPAA and high-tech PCI compliance to kind of put those procedures in place with strong SOPs. I think, first and foremost, it, it's really protecting, you know, the asset base that, that you have through, you know, fire protection and making sure that, you know, those things are in place, but also SOPs that are in place that allow you to hopefully to do your best to, you know, be void of any risk. I, yeah. Prior to this industry, I, I was a kind of a risk manager in the insurance industry, so risk and, and avoiding risk has always been paramount in my mind. Um, I think that that's probably first and foremost that our, our industry is at t- today, and we see that in the global. My role in NRC is an example: is that you know large companies are looking to pass liability onto us, and and those are things that I think. We have to be ever vigilant in, you know, making those decisions. Yeah, not not just as a company, but as an industry. As an industry, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that liability piece is huge. I know we had Tom uh, Dumez on a few weeks ago, uh, and I, I know reading what's just come out recently with the new uh, high tech stuff, the the role of being a business associate is getting more and more. Uh, scary all the time. That whole liability issue really is a monstrous thing that our industry has to face. Tom, I've seen examples where people will waive liability on on media, as an example, and 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 that's just the risk that I think is inviting to you know for a potential disaster to be able to you know handle media, transport it, and, and not have any liability limitations on that. You know, it's one thing to lose a box. It's one thing to, you know, another thing to lose a tape or have medical records associated with yeah. it. So, oh. you know, those are those are clear concerns that probably keep us up the most. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess also, I think our industry today is taking on a 
a different role in, in terms of being, you know, vended. There are definitely more players in the industry, and I, I think depending upon the marketplace, everybody's sometimes buying for perhaps what little new business may be out there, so it's really just relying upon stuff that's already vended, yeah. and that has its own set of challenges that, yeah. that come along with it. You know, we we are competitive in our marketplace, and we, we tend to go after business that's vended as well, but I've kind of long held a, a belief that you know just for price alone is, is, is not enough reason. I, I've actually asked clients and, and kind of been our position that they need to come to us other than just pricing. Right. You know, if they come with us just for pricing, they're going to leave just for pricing, and it's just an exchange of dollars that's really probably not not in anybody's best interest. So, you know, I I think we've seen a definite change, mm-hmm. um, not the least of which is is that you know the growth of our industry is is slowing. You know, people sometimes at different organizations will kind of wonder what business we're in. We tell them we're an offsite document storage. They look at us like, well, did that go away a long time ago? Right. right. And I may laugh, but I don't think it's going away in mine, your lifetime. But I think the growth is significantly less than, than it has been. So, you know, our responsibility is just to kind of, you know, watch that. Yeah. So if you could go back 27 years when you arrived at Pacific and maybe a couple of years past that when you took on a more significant role, given all the knowledge you have today, what advice might you give yourself back then if you had the opportunity to go back and tell yourself something? It's a great business. It it, it was then. It I think it's better today. I think it's it's just a great business. It's and I, I love this business. I, I always have, and, and I enjoy it. I, um, people think it's I'm crazy, but I literally enjoy coming to work every day. It's yeah. just, it's, it's a great business. But I think my first would be probably sell, and I don't mean sell the business. I, I mean you know get more business. Right. You know, dominate the marketplace. Uh, I use as an example in our one of our marketplaces here in Sacramento. You know, the medical industry is pretty much dominated by, you know, one company, SourceCorp, and, and they have a very, very good presence. They they just dominate that, that industry. Um, and, and so I, I think, you know, and I'm looking at some of my associates and many that I could name that, that I just won't, they really just dominate their marketplace. They, they become yeah. the provider, the resource. And, and I think that can happen, and, and I think it can happen then, and I think it should happen t- today. Um, yeah, and then I think you have to get early into the industry. For instance, shredding. We, we admittedly were slower to get into you know offsite shredding or mobile shredding, and I think for the most part, service providers in our industry do a very good job, and and customers don't move. So the earlier you can get in and become you know their provider and service them well. So I, I think it's 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 really growing the business, um, you know, in, in that effort. It's probably as much as anything. Yeah. Well, and that's that's such a good point because uh, today more than ever, I mean, you, you combine those two points you've just made, that, that sense of specialization. I think with the fragmented nature of our world these days and there there's enough competition out there that you really have to be dominant in a space. I, I did a video last week on, on monopolization uh, and sort of being a monopoly in an area and I, I see that as becoming more important. And then that ability, yeah, once you get them in and you prove yourself to them, they don't leave very quickly. So 
uh, it really is a great lesson, not just to ourselves years ago, but to ourselves today is become focused, become experts at a particular area, at a particular kind of specialty or group of specialties, and and then just keep keep getting new clients and, and servicing them. And I, I think in the long run, that creates for us the, the kind of value um, that our business delivers to our clients, which I think is really cool. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Well, Richard, it's been great. We could probably talk for another hour, um, but um, I, I think people are, you know, as they're on their way to work, they're probably, you know, they're going, I got to turn this off now. So I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I, I appreciate the role you've played in the industry. I have, I've known you a lot of years and I, I you're one of the, uh, you're one of the great ones. So uh, thank well, you for Tom, taking I appreciate the time. That. And thank you very much. All right. It's been great. We'll talk soon. See ya. Nice, nice. Uh, that was a great interview. Great chatting with uh, Richard Steed. Richard Steed, like I just said uh, to him, and I say to you, Richard Steed is one of the great ones in this industry, and I've I've known and watched him and observed him for a long time, and he is is such a great guy. And it was so good to hear his perspective. I, I think it's always interesting to have perspectives because a lot of times we have owners on the show, we have uh, executives from larger companies, but it was it was really cool to hear uh, Richard Steed talk about his perspective as an employee within a company, but he's been around such a long time and he said such a significant contribution to the industry. So I'm, I'm really grateful for him being on the show today. I'm grateful that you showed up on the show today. I hope today's interview was helpful to you. And I'm, I'm always grateful for our good friends at O'Neill Software. You might not know this, but O'Neill is recognized as a Microsoft Gold vendor partner. Uh, really what that means is this, to earn Microsoft Gold competency, partners must successfully complete exams to prove their level of technology expertise and then designate these certified professionals uniquely to one Microsoft competency, ensuring a certain level of staffing capabilities. That's the kind of commitment O'Neill has to creating quality software. And if you want that leading industry capability backing your software choice, you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, that's it for us. We are out of here. I hope you have a great week, and we'll be back next week with another great show for you. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.